This extended interview is being published alongside a podcast on gender-affirming care for kids, which you can hear by visiting our website at hearmenowpodcast.org. You will also find there a directory of additional extended interviews on trans-related healthcare issues. Up next, producer Scott Acord talks with Jamie Gamore, a queer, non-binary adult. This conversation is being archived at the National Folklife Center at the Library of Congress as part of the Hear Me Now Oral History Project, the largest collection of healthcare narratives in the country. So, Jamie, uh, we have met only briefly prior to this, uh, and and it was in regards to the upcoming uh, Arlington Pride. Today is uh, May 26th, and I think Pride is in... A week? Yeah, just just a little over a week. <laughs> and, and you're one of the organizers of Pride? Yes, yes. Um, the presidents of Arlington Mall Pride, actually. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, very one, nice. One of the founding members, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so let me ask you this about Arlington. Does Arlington have a, a sizable or gay community or get much of a gay community at all there's there's some i mean it's actually bigger than i was expecting um when when the original group of us got together and decided um we're gonna have a little events in 2022 um we were feeling that if we could just find even just one queer kid to help um by organizing an event and creating a little community then it will be worth it and what we've been finding because we've been having little community events um january february like every month um and each one the the attendance has been bigger um and it's been surprising and we're realizing that the more we talk about the event the more um, little community social gatherings and stuff that we do, we're realizing that there actually is a need here that we're filling. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to gauge exactly how, how many, uh, members of the LGBTQ community there are in Arlington, but, um, it's, it's not insignificant. Um, so that's that's what we've yeah. been finding. I I will tell you I'm as I said I'm 61 and I'm a gay man. Mm-hmm. And you know so there wasn't much, you know, as I was coming into understanding my sexuality, you know, in the 70s. You know, it was there was still a lot of taboo issues around being out, you know, and right. you had to be uh, pretty careful. And I, you know, and also I grew up in an evangelical household, mm. you know, so I was fearful, you know, of being found out. But I will say, you know, knowing that um, there were pride events helped me to understand I wasn't alone. Yeah. You know, because I felt very alone. You know, I mean, I was definitely alone in my 
the community I lived in and grew up in. Right. Um, you know, so I think that this, you know, probably has a big positive effect on on kids there, you know, maybe struggling to find community. Right. So, you know, I my hat goes off to you for, you know, for organizing and putting these events together and this Arlington Pride. It's, you know, uh, Pride events are important. Thank you. I mean, you know, it's, I really owe a lot to, you know, just all the, all the volunteers and everything. I mean, it's, I feel shy about even saying that I'm president because I I don't feel like much of a leader. Um, But, you know, just trying to put in the work and, and make something happen. So, you know, people can find each other and hopefully a lot of, a lot more, gatherings and everything will start to happen organically and um yeah it's um like you were saying about your own upbringing it's like having visible members of the community or even just knowing that events are going on somewhere it makes all the difference um i i grew up in ohio in a conservative town but actually not as conservative as the one that i ended up in which is kind of bizarre (laughs) i've been on a very weird journey (laughs) like um (laughs) like my my parents were kind of blase christian i i suppose like they didn't take it too seriously except when something came up that mattered and unfortunately they were both pretty homophobic and I also did not know any gay people um, growing up. And it's, I mean, I think that's part of why, I mean, I didn't come out until I was in my early twenties and I was already straight married, (laughs) unfortunately, um, because there's, there's a word that I've heard comp het like compulsory heteronormativity or something like that. Um, what is that word again? I've never heard it. I hadn't heard it until um, I was watching one of my um, favorite YouTubers who is trans, and uh, she did a whole video about comp het, which is like basically compulsory um, hetero normative or something like that basically just that when you're not exposed to other um types of people when you're not in a very diverse place it there's kind of this tendency to fall into you know being monogamous being heterosexual um you know being very clearly male or female or whatever and um And that kind of happened to me because it's just like, well, you go on a certain track, you, you, um, date somebody and you get married, straight married, as I always like to joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you just kind of do that without questioning it. Um, because again, I didn't know a single gay or lesbian person growing up and if i could have that would have made such a difference and i think i'm like one of the last 
generations um, who got to have that weird mix of most of my childhood being um, pre-internet. So I especially didn't really have those kind of um, connections online to to find other people. So it was pretty much whoever, whoever was in my school, whoever I grew up with um, my parents and, and whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of yeah. did that and it really wasn't until, cause like my husband at the time was going to grad school at the UW. So that's how I ended up in the Pacific Northwest and went to Seattle and everything. Oh, okay. Um, and, um, my mother's dead, but one of the things that like she, thought was just that Seattle turned me gay and I'm like yeah that's not how it works um (laughs) but it really wasn't until I was out here and it was around more diverse people and had a chance to really figure out who I was which unfortunately didn't happen until I was already married um yeah but at least it happened (laughs) Did, let me ask you, um, we're, you know, I also produce a podcast mm-hmm. and our next episode is about uh, gender affirming care for adolescents. Mm-hmm. And we chose this topic because in response to all of the laws being uh, written currently mm-hmm. to punish parents and children in horrific ways. Yeah. Uh, when a child thinks that they are or knows that they are transgender. A child, I'm a big believer a child knows. I always knew. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have the language when I was young, but I knew. And uh, I knew, I also knew that I couldn't be, I couldn't say it. I couldn't let my folks know or my family know or my community know Mm -hmm. or my church know in any way, shape or form. Because they, it was something that was hated. And that those people were the most disgusting people, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would would like to ask you this now. You know, did you know, like from an early age, but maybe didn't have the language or... When did you, when did you know that you were, now, how do you identify now? Let me, let me start there. I mean, it's hard to come up with a good word for it. I mean, because I identify as non-binary for one thing. So when I try to think about, well, who am I in relationship to other people? It's like, well, you know, I'm attracted mostly to, to women. Um, does that make me a lesbian? Does that, like, I've just been going with queer and non-binary. Um, yeah. Because it's kind of evolved over time. Um, I think more than anything, I'm, I'm attracted to queerness, other, other queer people. Um, it's <laughs> it, it really. Um, and and there's no judgment, you know, we are who we are. Right. Right. Um, so when, when did you, when did you start to know, you know, that you were queer 
I'll just use, I'll, if you're okay, I'll just use that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a kid, I knew that, you know, I had those attractions to some of my, um, my girlfriends um, whenever we would play together and there'd be any sort of role playing. Um, there was this just, it was, it didn't need to be spoken out loud, but it was just like, I would always play the role of the, the guy, the husband or whatever, playing house or something like that. Um, and then, you know, there, there were a few, few people when I was in school that I just really wanted to be like good friends with them to a point where it's like, you know, I thought they were pretty and I just wanted to be like best friends. But it's like that weird mental gymnastics, though, because like I right. I couldn't even allow myself to think that um, because I mean, for one thing, my only exposure to even the word gay, homosexual or whatever was from my parents, my mom, especially, um, like we had, I have a cousin who came out, um, as bisexual when I was a kid and, and just his coming out and telling the rest of the extended family, um, Mm -hmm. My parents just had nothing but like mean things to say about it. And it's like, it doesn't take that much to have like, to really get into a kid's head that like, this is, this is a bad thing. Right. Like these gross other people, oh my gosh. And, um, you know, they're going to spread diseases and AIDS and stuff like that. And it was just like, it was... Um, you know, and it wasn't even targeted at me as they were talking about somebody else. And yet it, it had an impact on me. Um, yeah. And it's just like, this isn't even a safe thing to talk about. So it's like, it starts to become internalized, especially as a kid, when you don't have any vocabulary for any of this. And I just kind of accepted that. So it's like, without even realizing what I was doing, it's like I would play the mental gymnastics of like, I would never allow myself to admit I have a crush on one of my girlfriends. Like that wasn't okay. Um, but the, like yeah. the feelings were there that was like, this is beyond just wanting to be friends with somebody and and also it did come out in kind of my gender expression I would kind of push it as far as my mother would allow um whether it was refusing to to shave my legs or refusing to wear makeup when I was in high school we would always fight about that um even just getting my hair cut short um you know, and I also grew up living with my uh, grandmother as well. It was my mom, her mom, and um, my dad, and and grandma also um, was in this weird kind of denial. Like she would buy me dre dresses for um, holidays and my birthday and stuff. And it's like, I don't, I don't wear this. I don't want to. Why are you doing this? 
Um, and it was kind of like this constant struggle to even just appear the way I wanted to. Um, but I, I did push that as far as I could go. Um, I mean, the complicated thing is I wasn't very rebellious. So I also tried to make my mother happy and, um, I didn't really like getting into fights and everything. So, uh, it was, it was complicated. Like I, even just like my relationship with my mother was a very complicated thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have siblings? Um, no, it's, that's also complicated. So I was adopted, adopted at birth. Um, oh, okay. adoption. Um, so I, I grew up as an only child. Um, However, my father from a previous marriage, um, he had his own like biological child. Um, but then when he got remarried, he pretty much had nothing to do with her anymore. So I didn't, and she lived in a different state. So I do have a non-blood related half sister. <laughs> um, yeah, who I, right. like we at least connected on Facebook and everything now. So um, I'm actually like good friends with her, but I didn't grow up with her. And um, yeah. over a decade, I actually did manage to track down my birth mother and found out that I have two full blooded brothers that I'd never I've met them, but I never really got a chance to grow up with them, obviously, because closed adoption yeah. and all that so how was how was the how, how was that when you met your birth mother and your birth siblings <laughs> uh it was awesome it was like sad it was it was so many emotions um yeah because especially ah uh, like growing up in Ohio, I actually found out that um, my birth mother lived like a half hour drive away from where I grew up. And especially like I always wanted siblings. I always wanted brothers, in fact, and to know that they were just so close. And I, I could spend like a whole hours talking about adoption and my feelings on that it's complicated everything well hopefully you'll come back and we'll <laughs> right well hopefully you'll come back and, and share another story and share that story with with us as well or with me yeah um so how so your um half sibling uh on your father's you know your father's daughter mm -hmm. Uh, and so they must be pretty accepting of of you. Oh yeah, if you're close. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, and and that must. I mean, I know that must help. Mm -hmm. It does. You know, I have. You know, I. Uh, I I know what it's like to to feel alienated from family. You know, I had a my mother recently passed and. You know, we were close and I have a lot of respect because she was a single mom and raised three children on her own mm -hmm. for many years before she married my stepfather. Mm. Um, but yet, you know, she wasn't 
accepting of me at all. She, I mean, she, I mean, she, she loved me mm-hmm. and, but she didn't want to know, she didn't want to know me. Right. You know, she wanted to know what I did for work and what, how work was, Right. you know, so I understand that, you know, it's, I know it's helpful when you have someone in your family who doesn't put conditions on their love. Right. Right. You know, cause that's what it felt like. So, um, just before we move on, I, I just, cause I'm always curious, like I knew probably around the age of five that uh-huh. I was gay. Like how early did you, do you think you knew? Did you know? It's funny that it, like it gets kind of wrapped up with like sexuality and gender identity for me, just because mm-hmm. in both cases, you know, I'm obviously very unconventional. Um, and one of the first, actually, it's one of the first memories I really have, um, just period, um, was when I was five or six, um, you know, I wasn't even thinking about my attraction so much to other people or anything like that, but it was just about not feeling like I'm in the right body. I would wrap my I like I wanted to do some sort of magic trick where I like would wrap myself in this magic blanket and I don't know if I had to like say something special or whatever and when I emerged from it that like I would be a boy and like those sorts of things um they stick out to me um even more than uh, like thinking about sexuality and stuff it's just that like I don't really feel comfortable in my body and even as I got older even as I was like a teenager and everything um like I knew that I kind of liked having an androgynous appearance and everything but like I couldn't understand um when people would say that like what does it mean to feel like a woman or to feel like a man? And because I was so stuck in that like binary thinking that um, I'm just like, well, if I don't feel like a woman, that that must mean that I'm, I'm a trans man. And I kind of played with that for a while. And that also didn't feel right. Cause I'm just like, this, none of the, I don't, I don't get any of this. Like, I just don't feel it in the same way that, that other people seem to feel it. Um, and that, and that kind of played yeah. into like, you know, as I as a teenager and going through adolescence and stuff, I, it also kind of applied to sexuality in the sense that, you know, most of, um, well, pretty much like all of the books that I read and media that I consume and all of my friends are in straight relationships and um you know i'm trying to put myself in that place of you know what does it what does it feel like to fantasize about um being in a relationship or or whatever and i just didn't quite get it um when i thought about um like dating a boy or something i'm just like i what are these other, what, what is everybody else feeling? Cause I don't think I get it. Like I'll play along, I guess I did. 
eventually get a, a, a boyfriend. Um, and he was, <laughs> he was the guy that I ended up marrying after we graduated from college. Uh, but I, there was just something there that I didn't quite understand. So it wasn't so much that like, I knew like, yes, I'm gay or like, yes, I'm non-binary, but just that yeah. like, I've always felt that something was just really off and yeah yeah it was it was weird because there was a lot of like i said just that mental gymnastics that i didn't even know at the time that i was doing <laughs> yeah yeah i've you know when and when we as we've been putting together this podcast on gender affirming care for adolescents mm -hmm. I've talked to uh, quite a bit of parents and some children and uh, and adults who are, are transgender or non-binary, um, and it's just been you know it's it's really been eye-opening and uh, a wonderful learning experience for me to uh, as I hear their stories and I get to know a little bit more and understand a bit more of what that is like um, to not feel you're in the right body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I think as a, you know, it, it must be very consuming to look in a mirror and, and see physicality that is not you right if if i'm if i'm expressing it in the proper way mm -hmm. um you know and that must be I, I i would imagine that's really confusing yeah um so yeah i mean i yeah and and i and i've said this to many people that are transgender that i've met or non-binary mm -hmm. but transgender like Transgender people have, I, I will say this all the time, have more courage and strength than I will ever know, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a really tough road that, that people have been given. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't, I think I probably went in a, a crazy direction. Sorry about no, that. No, no, it totally makes sense. Um you know, and that's, and that's you know. what made it like extra hard is just that um, I didn't have like a safe adult to talk to about this. I mean, looking back, I think I probably could have like talked to some of my teachers about it or something, um, but I didn't know. And I like in college. Oh, yeah. In college, for sure. Um but even there, there were a few people when I was in high school, I feel like looking back, I think they could have been like trustworthy, but I, I it, it's so hard because, um, and especially what was going on at the time, it's like, no, I couldn't talk to my mom. And also my parents went through a pretty messy divorce when I was um, yeah. a teenager. Um, and I, and at the same time, I was kind of going through, like, when I was 16, I had, like, my first major depressive episode. Um, I mean, I can, I can try to figure out what the reasons for that were, or I don't know, maybe it was partly just brought on by 
adolescent, whatever. Um, but I was struggling really hard. And at the same time, um, my mom was just kind of losing it over this divorce, like understandably. Um, but also it meant that like, I just couldn't advocate for myself. Um, there was one time when a teacher, um, like my favorite teacher in high school noticed that I was just never smiling, that I was just always unhappy. I was barely talking to anybody. Um, and you know, he did, he did the right thing, but also it backfired. Like he contacted my mom and it's just like, Jamie's really depressed and, um, you know, I'm concerned, uh, about her. And unfortunately my mom sat me down and she's just like, like, why, why are you depressed? Like I'm concerned. And also like, look at what I'm going through. And like, I, uh, like, I understand like she's got her own trauma and her own insecurities and like her own mental health problems. But like, it just hit me in like the wrong way the wrong way because it was just like okay i cannot be vulnerable with my mom like i i felt guilty for being depressed and i didn't even understand my own depression um i was not raised in a family that really believed in therapy so and i needed therapy (laughs) like i know that now um (laughs) because like part part of that did have to do with um the confusing feelings that I was having about my sexuality, even if I couldn't really put that into words, but without having to have somebody to talk yeah. to, there was no way I ever was going to get like the vocabulary for what was going on with me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I was an adult that I could even begin to unravel that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah totally get it i you know i you know i i I spent many years uh depressed and you know wasn't until you know i was in my probably late 30s that i began to really unravel you know all that tangled mess yeah of of reasons why i was living with depression i mean it was my that was my comfort zone depression yeah you know uh and um yeah so it's it it felt really good for me you know and everybody's circumstance is different and i was able to to get to a place in a probably a relatively short period of time where i was i could i could let go of the depression Mm -hmm. and i no longer lived you know that was no longer my my safe spot, right. if you will, or my, where I lived, I, I no longer lived there. So, yeah. you know, um, how was your relationship with your father, your adopted father? Um, eventually not very great. I mean, as a small kid, uh, we got on great, um, I think our, our, at least our personalities, um, were a bit more similar. Uh, my mom was very, very loud, very, uh, 
uh, bullheaded, <laughs> could get in a fight, like a verbal fight really easily. Um, whereas my dad was a bit more chill. Um, and like, at least that kind of energy I could relate to better. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed spending time hanging out with dad and everything. It just, it, it was comforting sometimes just because my mom was just so high energy that it was just like, ah, yeah, okay. Somebody's cool. Who's making jokes and stuff like that. And it was nice, but like, as I got older, um, even like getting into like fourth, fifth grade and stuff like that, um, I just started noticing how different our worldviews were. And it was a very challenging place to be in because I'm starting to develop my own thoughts about the world. Like for instance, environmentalism, like caring about the planet and stuff. Um, that was something that I was realizing, like I care about this and my dad didn't. Um, he very much takes the, um, the conservative kind of stance on that, that, um, and also he believed that like God put humans on the earth to do whatever we wanted. And, you know, that he thought that, um, climate change is, I mean, he still thinks this way. It's just a, a hoax that we, that it's just people trying to manipulate us, um, into taking care of the planet, I guess. Um, but like as the years went on and as like the thing is, it was complicated for me because I really enjoyed having adult conversations and I'd often have that with my father. But like the more we got into it, I'm just like, I want to respect you because you're an adult in my life who I looked up to. But also I don't agree with the things you're saying. And I just kind of let him talk. And he also would always play Rush Limbaugh for me. Or like we'd just be in the car and that's what we would be listening to always. Um, and right. he, he was a dis disciple of, of Limbaugh and like, I, I didn't like it. It felt mean and cruel. And I, I, oh, even hearing that tune from that radio, the, the beginning of his radio show just like makes me cringe. Um, but yeah. So it's like that started to affect our relationship because it was just like I the things that I really deeply care about are are not what you believe. And um, and even when it came to religion, I'm just like, I don't think I'm a Christian. Like, I just don't believe this. I tried. And that was also another dividing point for us. Um, and I'm like, it's not that I don't it's not that I don't care or even that I don't have a sense of spirituality. It's just that like, I'm not, I'm not your version of this. So like it, it that divide just kept growing and growing until, um, he, until I was in high school and then he was going through the messy divorce because like he was with another woman and, um, he started a band and like kind of went through a classic midlife crisis. <laughs> he bought a brand, but it was like the country Western version of it because that's, he's a wannabe cowboy. So he bought himself a brand new pickup truck without my mom's permission, started a band and then cheated on my mom with 
um, somebody half his age who was also a member of the band. So um, yeah. when he was going through all of that, like he just kind of stopped talking to me and I didn't really feel like pursuing yeah. him because it's like, I, my mom was falling apart. So there was like, it, it was, it was a mess. So it fell apart. And then as an adult, um, our, our, our views are just so different that I can't find anything to really relate to him anymore. And it's sad. I don't want it to be that way. Um, you know, he's, he's in his seventies yeah. now and like, I, I don't know, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's tough. It is. It is hard. Looking back, you know, is there anything that you wish you could tell your younger self or tell kids today who might be in a similar situation where they're struggling with identity, whether it's gender or, you know, you've been through, what would you like to, <laughs> anything you can share? just that you're okay. I mean, I wish I could just, you know, go back in time, sit down next, like sit down next to my, my younger self and just hug them and say that like, your feelings are valid. Like just even just that much. Um, because it, it messed with my head trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be and also kind of the pressure of like being adopted and everything and um you know i didn't realize it at the time but it's just like i'm trying to as as this child fill a hole in my mom's life especially and like not knowing how to do that and wanting to be a good obedient kid and also be myself and those things were constantly in conflict and i just i really needed to hear somebody say that like what you're going through is totally okay you're you're allowed to be upset you're allowed to be yourself and there's nothing wrong with that because i mean that's that's what's the message that yeah. i was always getting that like there's something wrong with me um whether it was about my gender identity or my views on religion or um all of these like really deep parts of me um and that that was really the thing and like i don't know i don't know if like a, a like uh if I would have even been able to hear that as a kid. Um, but I, I do kind of have that fantasy of being able to say that. And that's what I would like other people, well, other kids to hear. It's just a, like, it's, it's, wow, uh, it's as okay. You, yeah. As you were telling me this, I had this image of you sitting down with your younger self and your younger self seeing you and just lighting up, <laughs> going, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. That's me. 
Yeah. You know, and I wish, I I wish that anybody who, uh, you know, is sort of gender non-conforming or transgender, you know, I I wish their younger self could get a glimpse when they're still a child of of them as an adult. Yeah. When they've when they found the strength to to do what they need to do to 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 live a, a more honest life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamie, Jamie, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope you come back and share again. Yeah. Uh, it was really a pleasure to to meet you and to get to know you a little bit. I I thank you. Thank you. No, I I enjoyed this. Thank you.